Hey everyone, welcome to episode 21 of the Food About Town podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Lindstrom, I'm your host. This week we talked to Christina Danino from the Mad Hatter Tea Room and Cafe in Webster. Uh, we talked a little bit about the city newspaper review I did of the restaurant a couple months back. Uh, we talked a little bit more about uh, what the restaurant's all about, her background, uh, about cooking at home. We had a couple diversions here and there as well. And we finished off with an interesting discussion on tea and some of the sourcing they use for that, which is very interesting. Tea's getting really uh, popular right now in Rochester. So uh, it was a great talk. Had a great time. Um, and tune in next week, please. I'm really trying to keep this every week. So um, subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite RSS podcast uh, podcast app on your phone. And um, see you back next week. Thanks for listening. A graze on minor injury. There's tea. There's tea. You took an arrow to the knee. Have tea. Oh, tea. Even winners of the When Monday leaves you feeling blue And your boss has a rage that you can't subdue You'll likely see his point of view If you just sit down and have a brew If zombies come back from the dead And you're all tucked up inside your bed Put down your guns, use tea instead Then you Hey everyone, I am here with Christina Danino from Mad Hatter Tea Room and Cafe. Did I get all the words right there? You did. Super. <laughs> so your restaurant is located in Webster. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that off? It's off of uh, what 250? Hey, yep, it's actually right on 250. It's also known as North Avenue. So we're right at 30 North Avenue. And um, it's actually right next door to the Veterans Memorial Park. And people of Webster are usually familiar with that, where the gazebo is. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is really easy to get to. Mm-hmm. Very. And it's it's one of those, I go to a lot of places that are hard to get to. Mm-hmm. And that's one of them like, oh, that's really nice. Right off the expressway. It's right yeah, there. Between yep. there and uh, one of my other favorite places, uh, BC's Chicken Coop right oh, off the yeah. road. Oh, she has the best chicken. Oh, Absolutely. She, she's such a, she, they're so nice. Very nice people. I, I mm-hmm. love going there too. Absolutely. I, I'm getting to know Webster more now that I'm up in this area. I keep on driving over that way and now I'm finally learning what's up and around there. We have a real, uh, actually a lot of really nice restaurants in the village that a lot of people forget about because they tend to um, get drawn to the area where, the the whole road area where Target is and Kohl's. They kind yeah, of call yeah. that the nucleus of a, of Webster, but uh, there's so much more to Webster. There's some good restaurants. Yeah, and it, it's one of those places I never really explored when I was living in the city, but now mm-hmm. that I moved up right off Empire, it's a short drive. It, right. It's it's closer than Henrietta, so I'm like, oh, now I should really look into those Absolutely. areas. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm finding some interesting stuff, cool. including your place, Thank Mad you. Hatter Tea Room. Thank you. So I wrote a review of the restaurant for the city paper. Mm-hmm. Was that about, uh, what, two months ago or so? Yep, about, yep. Two months or mm-hmm. so. Um, this is sort of a follow-up to that. I've done a few of these, and I found it interesting to get people's reactions, what they thought about what I wrote, and I... Love talking about it. Well, I, I appreciate you even considering us for the review, so I'm very flattered by that. But I thought it was very tastefully done. Um, I do love feedback, whether it's negative or positive. I want to know. Sure. Um, and 
I thought it was you actually the day you came in, I actually remember because it was a pretty crazy day where we had somebody call off. It was a crazy day. <laughs> it was. But, um, you know, ticket times went a little longer than usual. But overall, I, my my main thing I try to focus on is consistency. Sure. And that's why I always like to be in the kitchen myself, because I want to make sure that the food is going out, plated properly. Um, presentation is key. And um, that, you know, everything tastes the same every time a guest come, comes in. Sure. So, so people know if they haven't been there, and it's mm-hmm. it's a relatively small place. Mm-hmm. Um, how how would you describe the food there before we dive in a little bit more? Um, it's it's definitely American cuisine, but it's more home style. Um, I take a lot of pride in everything is homemade. Um, nothing comes out of a can. It's very fresh. Um, even like our veggie burgers, for example. I my food vendor, you know, they try to get you to to um, try new samples of this and that. And they're like, oh, well, we have a pre-made veggie burger. I'm like, why? I can make a very great veggie burger with, you know, fresh veggies and so forth. Why would I, you know, take the shortcut? Um, So I do take pride in that where we do make everything homemade. Nothing is, you know, like I said, out of a can. Um, And I think that makes us different than most of the other diners in Webster, for breakfast and lunch places, um, there's not a, a many other options for breakfast and lunch in Webster, just your typical di- diner. And I wanted to be something different. I wanted to be something a little more unique. Um, I'd probably consider, I'd, if I had to describe our restaurant, I would say it's more like an upscale cafe. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, you know, I'd read some, I, I usually read some reviews before I go into somewhere. Mm-hmm. And usually I'll go to Yelp or somewhere like that just to get a feel for what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. And I think what what surprised me most was that in it had to be one of the tiniest restaurant kitchens I've ever seen mm-hmm. that every I mean, you could taste the homemade stuff mm-hmm. and whether or not everything was exactly perfect. It didn't matter as much because, I mean, everything was made there and you could taste that it was made there. Absolutely. Nothing was a nothing was commercial. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as much as, you know, I saw, you know, locally sourced maple syrup. Yes. I don't mm-hmm. mind paying for it if it's exactly. good and you can get it. Well, and I, I think that's probably the hardest thing with Webster residents is we do have an older population in Webster um, that tend to be a little more frugal. And um, it is a hard adjustment when we first came aboard. People w- would be like, oh, well, that's so expensive. And I'm like, not really. You're buying local. You're supporting local. Um, and really 20 cents more for an item as opposed, you know, to, to get local, it's worth it. And you're supporting your, you know, local um, merchants and so forth. So, yeah. And it's what you're doing there is more than just you're doing some you're doing some good breakfast stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge breakfast out kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But when you're serving some different stuff, like I had the, the what was it? The the bangers and uh, oh, yes, eggs. The, which, the Duchess Benedict, which is with our bangers, which is British sausage. Yeah, yep. where, where, where do you get those? I thought it was really tasty. Um, we we uh, actually get them from a uh, local farmer in Williamson. Okay. Um, and uh, we, we used to get our bacon from him, but he wasn't able to keep up with the supply that we needed. Sure. So unfortunately, but we try to do as much as we can locally. Um, but we, I also wanted to have a British feel to the food, hence being a tea house. I mean, sure. I wanted to make sure that there were some things on the menu that had that British um, flair to it. So I think that worked out really well. It's something I've never seen on a menu before. Mm-hmm. And Brit- British food isn't something that really people specialize in other than what, a couple places here right. and there. Well, and I will say um, a lot of people are, one of the things that people are very shocked by are scones. 
um, you know, obviously that's a signature item for a tea house is to have good scones. And when we first opened, I was playing with a lot of different recipes until I finally found one that I absolutely loved. And I tweaked it here and there. And that's what I tend to do. I tend to find a recipe that I, I like to experiment with. And then I tweak it based on what I think would be best. Um, and we finally, I, I feel we have one of the best scone recipes around. Um, they're not your traditional hard as a rock scone. They're very um, cake-like, fluffy. Um, we use fr fresh uh, fruit and fresh ingredients. So um, and those are made daily. So that's one of those things that we're definitely known for. And it's a, just a British, um, treat. I Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, and for, I, I hope most people are familiar with scones. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, it's kind of like a cross between a biscuit and a muffin almost. Absolutely. Yeah. And it tends to be halfway sweeter than a biscuit, but not quite as sweet as a Absolutely. muffin. Absolutely. Yeah. It def definitely has a consistency, consistency and it looks like, um, the appearance itself looks like a biscuit. Um, but actually in England, they don't, they actually tend to just have plain scones or they put dates or raisins in them. Okay. Um, us Americans like to, you know, add a little more to everything and, of course. and add more fat and sugar. So um, <laughs> I try to keep it healthy with the fresh fruit. Like we had, uh, we have, now that we're in the season of berries and so forth, we were doing strawberries and mixed berries and apricots and so forth. But um, we'll do other um, types of flavors like chocolate chip and so forth too that are kid friendly. Um, so we, we mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is nice. I mean, it's, I'm not a strawberry fan. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I just, it just never grabbed me, but if I'm going to eat a strawberry, it's going to be in season. I'm not buying Absolutely. a strawberry in January no. yeah. where the insides are white. Absolutely. And I'm buying, a, I'm buying a strawberry in the next few weeks. Absolutely. And that's it. And that's know? actually, that brings us to another, um, topic too, with, with our toppings for our, um, pancakes and, and French toast. We don't use any of that syrup jelly, yeah. excuse my French, but crap, um, <laughs> that th that a lot of the diners use. Right. Um, I just think that's disgusting. It's it's just soaked in corn syrup. It's not even fruit. No, I agree. Um, so we're very big on when we top, we have a fruit of the day pancake, um, and we always make sure it's fresh, um, you know, seasonal fruit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, I think the other cool thing that, I don't know if I've seen, you know, there may be one or two other places, but doing the, the whole high tea thing. Mm -hmm. I mean that I read through the menu that that's very appealing. I mean, thank you. Maybe not as much to me, but I right. think <laughs> I mean, it, maybe it, your it, wife. It's, yes, right? it, it's I would definitely say it's it seems to be more of a group of women kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's mm -hmm. not to say I couldn't I looked at the the menu and the menu looked very appealing mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the the clotted cream and fruit and mm -hmm. the the small sandwiches. It actually looked like a very appealing menu. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's dainty. It's it's yes. aiming towards the. It seems to be aiming towards the groups of females Absolutely. demographic. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's one of the. That's definitely a niche mark that we have is the traditional British high tea service that we offer. Um, it's offered every Tuesday through Saturday at three thirty, and it's by reservation. Um, the reason it's by reservation is because everything's made fresh. We literally time. Um, everything where the minute you walk in the door, I'm putting the scones in the oven, so they come out piping hot, and within ten minutes you have fresh baked scones. Um, and again, let me just yes, reiterate. Yes, we're we're sitting at a table in my the this my little podcast room here. I mean, the kitchen is almost the size of the table we're sitting at. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there's a <laughs> there's a regular oven and uh -huh. a small stove. Yep, that's it. Yep, and that's and everyone you know sometimes you know people will. Um, ask if I need help or whatnot, but there's really no room to help. Um, it's, it is what it is. And I try to make the best of it. And 
I utilize as much of the space as I can. We have many shelves and so forth to keep our, our food and our inventory on, but um, it is very small and it gets hot back there. And I, the way I feel about it is I wouldn't ask anybody to work in those conditions. So I just tend to do it myself. <laughs> I mean, it's when you talk about that, when you're timing everything, you're yes. doing all this stuff. It's one thing in a commercial kitchen. It's another thing in a small house. Uncommercial. Kitchen. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I was, I walked away shocked and impressed uh-huh. Thank when you. I saw what you were doing, how much local, how much fresh mm-hmm. out of that kitchen. When it, places that are much better equipped, mm-hmm can't seem to do it absolutely so that's um see it's 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 a ballsy move and one i I really appreciated thank you because when i when i end up going to smaller places to do reviews or doing stuff like that sometimes like oh they tend to take i just really don't want to write about this yeah at least this this it was interesting and it made me want to write about Mm -hmm. it because that's that's just cool well thank you i I mean i've definitely worked in my share of commercial kitchens and i've managed many restaurants as well and i've seen uh cook lines that are gosh 20 feet long and so forth i mean that they're pretty big kitchens um so i've worked in all different sizes um i don't when it's just me i make the best of it i try to do what i can i know physically what i'm capable of doing and what i'm able to put out um but yes it's all on timing um it's all in prepping um making sure that you have you know your prep done for the day um but you know, I make it work. <laughs> yeah, and no, you mm-hmm. don't you don't have a choice. I don't. <laughs> it, it's there, and that's what. <laughs> but where I you're enjoy going. it too. I'm, yeah. I really enjoy what I do. Yeah. So I guess now's as good as time as any. Um, mm-hmm. Your your background. You mentioned you worked in other kitchens. What mm-hmm. what is your what's your culinary background? Where where did you come well, from? Well, I don't have any professional culinary um, schooling. Um, I went to, to actually uh, I went to school for communications at mm-hmm. Fisher. Um, thinking that I was going to move off to New York City and become, you know, work for some PR firm or whatnot or advertising. My uh, life and my career didn't take me that way. Sure. Um, when I was in school, I was always working in the restaurant or hospitality field, um, whether I was a server, um, a manager, a cook. Um, I tend to like back of the house better than the front of the house. Um but I just, and plus I ra- was raised in an Italian household where we started cooking by the time we were three. You didn't really have a choice. Um, so, but I also enjoyed it. Enjoy it. I truly am very passionate about cooking and um, making people happy through food. Um, I love baking. Um, that's just how I was raised. So I don't necessarily have um, culinary schooling. I'm all self-taught. Um, a lot of the recipes, especially for baking that I have at my restaurant, are family recipes that... Um, uh, have been, you know, kept with the family throughout the years. Um, my family actually um, used to own a local bakery on J Street back in the 40s. Interesting. Um, what, what was it called? What Romeo's. It? Okay. It wasn't there too long. I, I, I believe it was four or five years. It wasn't too long, but um, it was back in the 40s, and um, some of those recipes I still use to this day. Wow. Um, but you know, I, like I said earlier too, like I'm all for trying new recipes and then just tweaking them based on how I like them. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely, I would honestly, I I would go to culinary school if I had the opportunity at this point, if, you know, if the um, opportunity arose, I would definitely jump at it. Cause I feel like you're always able to learn new things. Um, although I've worked under some, so many chefs as well that I've seen, um, their style of cooking as well. So. Did you work in any other notable places here? Uh, um, 
as far as uh, I, I mean, I mainly managed and more managing here. Okay. Um, my cooking experience was when I was um, in Florida for some time, um, but I've managed the Unos um, in the Rochester area. I was the banquet manager down at Hyatt downtown. Um, I was a uh, uh, saute chef at a restaurant in Victor. It's no longer there called Hula Hands, not Hooligans, but Hula Hands. Uh-huh. Um, and I've helped open and restaurants as a server and so forth. So I've kind of seen how it works, how it operates. Um, I definitely understand hospitality. I don't, I, I really don't think I could understand that much more than I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's, it's interesting to hear some of that. I mean, that's some large scale stuff mm-hmm. and then shifting down to a very different restaurant from mm-hmm. all those other Absolutely. things. Um, it's, it is a very, and it's a very different place mm-hmm. than that. It's. Thank it you. has that has that diner, the cute mm-hmm. feel, and it's an it's in an old house it too. It is. It's very. It's literally very homey. It's yeah. it's. Uh, I wanted to keep that quaintness. Um, I didn't want to bring booths in um, for seating because I, I felt that would take away from the quaintness. Um, so we kept. We have all tables, um, and uh, I. We did actually when we occupied the space when we started occupying the state the space um, we did some constructions to make it flow a little more because obviously it was an old house it's a four bedroom or a four bedroom four room old house um, very small so where there were closets we had to knock the closets down so we could have you know a walk a walk through into the other room um, we actually the entrance into the bathroom used to be a bathtub that was run. Um, vertical as opposed to horizontal, which was very odd. And um, we had to take that out. It was an old cast iron tub. So we did some construction to make it um, more restaurant friendly. Yeah. And um, I was very, I'm very pleased with how it turned out. Yeah. That would have been a hell of a hospitality thing, having a bathtub yeah, in, right? ha- in the restaurant. <laughs> Feel free to take a bath if oh, you like. Oh, so, so relaxing. <laughs> you get eggs in a bath. Right. I mean, come on, that sounds fantastic. Come in your PJs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You've been in, are you a lifelong Rochester resident? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I went away to Tampa for a few years when I was in college, but came right back. Yeah. So you've been in Rochester. I, I'm always trying to find out what people love in Rochester when it comes to food and like, wh- where do you go? Where do I go? I I feel, especially in, in the Rochester market, we have so many mom and pop Italian food places. There is yeah. no reason to go to Olive Garden. No reason. Ever. Ever. No. <laughs> and I don't care how many breadsticks they throw so, at you. No, you it's, really it's, shouldn't oh, be going there. There's so many reputable mom and pop places that we should be supporting in, in Rochester. Um, one of my favorite Italian places is on the west side called Papa Joe's. Okay. Um, I think probably one of the best Italian eateries ever. Um, there's um, also two places on J Street. There's a little Italian deli called Naka's. Um, not in the best neighborhood. I work over in that general area. Uh-huh. And it's a, it looks like it's a little corner store, but it, you walk in, you can get your Italian you know, deli meat and so forth. But he makes these little personal pizzas that are old school Italian. So he doesn't use fresh mozzarella. He uses um, Parmigiano okay. and Romano on it and homemade sauce. Delicious. That he sounds, sells out of them. That sounds phenomenal. I'm, yes. I'm, a, I'm a hard pizza nerd. Yes. And Very that's, that is a place I haven't heard of. Now I'm... You have I'm to already go. borderline obsessed. That sounds and his awesome. Italian bread is homemade. It's amazing. So that's a place. If I just oh his subs are amazing because it's on his homemade bread. Oh. So um, that's probably one of my lunch, favorite lunch spots as well as Rocky's on J Street, which is a okay. pretty well known place. Um, 
I tend to I, I tend to lean more towards Italian food. Sure. However, I'm gonna throw a plug out for my buddy um, who owns Bremont Bistro, Greg. Um, if you're looking for fine dining French cuisine, amazing food. And that's in Webster as well, Correct. right? Yep, he's a fellow um, Webster uh, restaurant um, owner as well. Um, he's located right on Main Street. Um, it's located also in an old house, two stories. He has seating um, on the lower level as well as the upper level. His kitchen's actually upstairs. Um, he's a very talented chef. Um, he does have um, culinary schooling um, and is very, very good with running a restaurant and has a nice catering menu as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I'm just, I'm going back to something you were mentioning before. And we, you brought up the Olive Garden. It's something <laughs> I've been thinking about recently. And it's not not about Olive Garden. I, and I heard I saw some of my friends on social media talking about this as well. Is how how obsessive people. It seems like I'm not sure if it's everywhere, but it seems in Western New York and Buffalo and Rochester, when we get that new uh, fast food place, oh, yeah. how disastrous and just how obsessive people get about it. Absolutely. When when and it, it's it's kind of disappointing. You see all. All the craziness when when Mighty Taco was first came Which here. Which is nothing to talk about. No, I mean I grew up in <laughs> Buffalo. I, I have a certain affinity for Mighty Taco. Oh, okay, but <laughs> by all definitions, it's not food. Right. I mean it's it's grease. It's like right. half grease meat and mm-hmm. American or less cheese, iceberg lettuce and tomato. And it's it's an abomination mm-hmm. of food. I still have an affinity for it because I grew mm-hmm. up there, but it's. It's terrible, mm-hmm. and you you see you know Sonic pop in up on yes. uh, up on Ridge Road, and you know as much as you know Five Guys, which is better than most, but it's still fast food, mm-hmm. and it's not good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I don't know if it hits you the same way. I, when I'm so into the local places, right? It kind of hits me, and it well, I it kind of hurts me in a weird way, you know. I, I I definitely understand you there, and especially being a mom myself, um, it's something we're trying to. I feel like get, getting our younger generation away from fast food i mean as a treat it's it's not you know every, every now and then it's not a bad thing yeah i mean we all we all do it i'm not going to say i don't oh, eat I'm fast food of it. absolutely yeah. but I mean, I to make a meal out of it every single day or even more than once a week there's no reason i mean um parents should really be teaching their kids how to just basic cooking skills and actually that kind of goes into we actually offer kids cooking classes oh at that's the just really Hatter. cool um, so we teach, we have like basic baking 101, basic cooking 101, and we, we start as young as three years old and we go all the way up to 18 years old. That's a great idea. It is. And I, I think it's something that kids need to learn the basics. They, um, obviously we teach them safety, kitchen safety as well, but, um, something as simple as making a sandwich as opposed to going to McDonald's and getting a Big Mac. I yeah. mean, it's just a healthier option. Um, I think we're in a world today where everything is so processed um, and we need to get away from that because I think it's just hurting our future or in the, you know, the children of the future. But um, Won't anybody please think right, of the children. Right. But I mean, ultimately, <laughs> that's why America has such problems with obesity and so forth. I mean, we're totally I'm getting on a tangent here, but well, I, I kind of push in that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's I appreciate that. I think it's I, I love the idea of doing rudimentary cooking classes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's even hard for adults to find because there's a lot of people that really don't know the absolute basics absolutely and it's it's such a hard thing to find you can find like you know wine pairing classes mm-hmm. over at the maybe the culinary center out in canadagua and that's great mm-hmm. or you can find how to make fresh pasta mm-hmm. that's awesome opportunity mm-hmm. but if you don't know how to 
spoil pasta exactly. or you don't know how basics. to. Yeah. Right. And it's. And it really, what we've seen too with the kids is we, we actually have a few children um, that are, t- uh, are autistic and um, we actually, and not even just for them, but just the children in general, you see like a, a sense of like self-confidence come over them when they create something because they get to enjoy it, they get to eat it, but they can also take it home and share it with their family as well as the recipe that we made during the class, they get to take that home too. So um, it's a sense of pride, you know, and they just feel like it's an accomplishment, which it is. So not, parents not, are usually impressed too. Right. And not only that, it really is the nice thing about cooking is you can take it in so many different mm-hmm. directions. It can be an artistic interpretation of things, but at the same time, if you need rigid rules, mm-hmm. there can there's so many rigid rules to cooking that you can you can set a recipe and you can do the exact steps every time and it will work out mm-hmm. every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one thing we do, we t- talk about is where cooking is, you can be a little more free with cooking, whereas opposed uh, to like the baking aspect of things, when you bake something, measurements tend to be pretty precise. I mean, if you want to play with the baking soda measurement or the baking powder measurement, usually it's not going to come out the same. Mm-hmm. But with cooking, you can kind of tweak things a little more by adding different spices and whatnot. So we have fun with that, too. Yeah, and I'm terrible with baking. <laughs> I, I, cooking's easy. Usually for... it's one or the other that people are, are good at. Yeah, cook, cooking's not a problem for me. I mean, I'm not a chef by any means, mm-hmm. but I, I can follow a recipe. I know how to tweak it to make it the way I like mm-hmm. it. But baking, I have no chance <laughs> and the, the the one thing that I do try to do is uh, homemade pizza, mm-hmm. and I'll make my own dough. Wow! And the hard thing for me is, since I don't do it all the time, is getting that consistency where yep. you can feel it. And it's the kneading of the dough. And yeah, so forth. it's like oh, I put it in the thing, I process, and I do this and I do that, and it's like when they say do this test, I have no idea if I'm doing it right. Right. <laughs> I mean, the flavors turn out good because mm-hmm. I I get the flavors, but the but that feel, right. you know, that that cooking feel, mm-hmm. like I know how to cook eggs. Right. So simple, such right. a delicious, easy thing to cook. I have a feel for it. Mm-hmm. I have no feel for breads or baking. Right. It's, it's, it's definitely something I think that just comes with. I, I don't get into baking bread. I, I wish I did. But it is something that is more of a, a I guess you could say a trade, really, because you just, you know, just by texture, you can tell, yeah. okay, yep, this is perfect. Proof it and let's go. But um, that's one thing I, I don't get into that I would love to learn about. Um, but I can do your, you know, the basic baking. We do a lot of cakes and muffins and bars and cookies at our place. So sure. So stepping back to the to mm-hmm. the kids thing, what what do you what do you cook at home? I mean, that's um, well, my husband would probably say nothing, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I tend to be very drained when I do come home from oh, work. Oh, sure. Um, so Especially I don't as, do, a, as a one-woman army most absolutely. of the time. Absolutely. So I don't tend to always make elaborate meals at home as I do at the restaurant. Um, but my family's pretty basic. Um, they like their meatloaf. They like their quesadillas, chicken cacciatore, um, you know, uh, just your basic all-American turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes. Sure. Um, I don't really get too creative at home because my family tends to have a very simple palate. Um, but I grew up with that. Yeah, my, my, so, my dad dictated how we ate at home. Yes. And we, we had a very simple, very. although my mom was a very good cook, mm-hmm. but she catered to what he liked. Absolutely. So we had solid, basic food. And mm-hmm. I think it, even if it's not the fanciest, mm-hmm. I think it does give you a certain appreciation for the effort that goes into cooking. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I try to, you know, to keep everything homemade as well at home, but 
when it comes to my creativity, if I have a new recipe, it sounds silly, but I always try it out at the restaurant first before I bring it home. <laughs> Usually it's probably the other way around. Right, like right, use right. my family as the guinea pigs, but I don't. I, I use my staff as the guinea pigs. I'll, I'll make a new um, a type of um, you know cookie bar and I'll have them sample it. Yeah. And one new thing we just actually rolled out were key lime bars. Um, which are amazing and definitely in season. Sounds delicious. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I always have the staff taste them and tell me what they think. Yeah. So, so I guess where I want to edge towards the end in this is, tea room is a big part of mm-hmm. the restaurant. Absolutely. And one of the things you walk in and you see all these, you see a wall full of tea. Mm-hmm. And the, I've been to a lot of tea places where you just get a lot of flavored stuff, and it's so. You get a lot of artificial flavors in your in the commercial teas, mm-hmm. and they're really not very good or balanced. Mm-hmm. One one of the things I walked away from the restaurant was these teas were really good. Thank you. And a lot of the flavors were things I don't usually like. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't take all the credit for that. We use a, we have a phenomenal tea vendor who is as local as we could get. Um, she's based out of Schenectady, and um, her name is Linda. She's with a company called Divinity. Um, she is a tea like goddess. She and she makes all the blends herself. Um, she she basically buy, you know buys the tea in bulk and she grows some of it. It's all organic. She grows some there too. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that coming up more mm-hmm. often now. I think there's someone in the in the Syracuse area growing tea. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a new fad. I, I hope it's not a fad. I hope it sticks around for a while. But it's a healthier way of consuming tea. Um, as opposed to just you know going to your local grocery store and buying your bag tea, um, all our tea is loose leaf. We can we have um, special um, tea bags where we can um, you know bag it up for you, but we recommend using our our special teapots with our strainers and so forth because the quality is a lot better um, for steeping it. But um, we do have over thirty different flavors of loose leaf tea. We do change them seasonally. For example, we just put out our summer list, and we have a uh, mango chiller. We have a honey orange. Um, gosh, what, we have a, one that's called a peach picnic. And we have black, green, white, a green and white blend, herbals, mates. We have all different types. Um, and then what we also do in the, also do in the, do in the summer, in the summertime, one a day, we do a loose leaf iced tea. Mm. And because it needs to be chilled overnight, we, that's why we can't do all of them as iced tea. And you, do you brew it hot and yes. then cool it? and then well, cool it. Exactly. Thank you very that's much. That's the proper way to do it. So a lot of people get upset. They're like, well, I want this as iced tea. I'm like, well, this is the proper way and we have to, you know, chill it overnight. Yeah. Um, so, for example, we have one that's called Tweedledoo because our Alice in Wonderland theme. Of course. Um, it's a honeydew tea. It's a white and green tea um, with a hint of jasmine and honeydew. Huh. And it's delicious, chilled on ice. Um, it's very tasty. Probably one of our most popular summer. Sounds very teas. refreshing. Very something different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's one of the things that people are starting to appreciate now. I think a lot of people they're starting to get past the uh, past the coffee thing now. And I, I'm, I'm I love coffee. Mm-hmm. That, that's my go to. And I'm. We have good coffee, too. Yeah, it's a local guy as well. It's uh, Evening Star Coffee Roasters in Avon. Amazing coffee. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll have to try it. I'm I'm a coffee snob. Mm -hmm. I I go for the, you know, I'm all single origin. I'm I'm a a nerd with that stuff. He would be your guy to go to. (laughs) I will look forward to trying that next time Mm -hmm. I'm over. Uh, But I think a lot of people now, they're getting into the tea blends. Mm -hmm. You know, we're getting more interesting stuff locally. Well, there's health benefits, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, a company like Happy Earth Tea is doing Mm -hmm. some great stuff. 
And like I said, I'm, I was very impressed with the stuff that this uh, Divinity was doing. Mm. And it, it's so refreshing to get that when you go you go to the mall and you see, you know, Tivana or oh, places like so that. so overpriced. And so overpriced mm-hmm. and so over the top. Yes. They're, all the subtlety's gone out of it. And... Mm-hmm. Tea is subtlety. Mm-hmm. And you, you can have some potent flavors. You can have, you know, the mates or yep. ginger tea that is mm-hmm. spicy. But it's not, it shouldn't be an over-the-top experience. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be punching you in the face with that. Absolutely. Yeah, you shouldn't have to subtle. sweeten it. Mm-hmm. And you I shouldn't agree. have to put giant rock candy in there to and, make and, your you know, tea and delicious. We, and we do, we do stress if you do feel you need to sweeten it, we recommend honey as opposed to using this pure sugar. Um, it's just a more natural way, obviously, of sweetening your tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, it's something that people should really go out and try. And your restaurant, Mad Hatter Tea Room, mm-hmm. is a great place to do it. There's, Thank you. There's a ton of good places. And one of the things I learned a while back at, uh, I was traveling and I was in scenic Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Not, not a place I really want to revisit <laughs> very much, but a place that actually I learned about tea more there. I used to only drink, you know, bags of Earl Grey. And I went to a tea-focused place there that nobody else went to in the city. I, I was traveling. I needed somewhere to go for hospitality. Mm-hmm. I went to this tea place and they taught me about first and second, um, first and second brewings. You know, if you're using loose leaf tea, you can go and you can do the first brew mm-hmm. and then you can drink of that and do a second brew with the same tea. Mm-hmm. And you Absolutely. get so many different flavors when Absolutely. you do that. Yep. I, I found it, I found it very interesting. Yeah, we, that's, you know, when, for those of you that are not familiar with loose leaf tea, um, if you were to come into a restaurant and try one of our loose leaf teas, we actually educate you on the proper way of how to steep it, how to use our equipment, um, and also kind of educate you on the, on the tea that you did order. Um, it is something that's still new in the Rochester area. So, um, a lot of people are getting used to it. A lot of people, we have, we still have some people that come in and just be like, I'll have tea. Okay, well, we have over 30 flavors. Our tea list is right there on the table. Take a look. I just want black tea. Um, you know, and we have your basics, Earl Grey English breakfast, but um, we try to steer them away from that and try something, you know, out of their comfort zone. Sure. Because they might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, it, it's easy to go in with that matcha. I'm like, yes. I, I don't drink Earl tea. I don't right. want all these flavors. Yeah. And I, I, I do tend to be that way with my coffee and my tea. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to adulterate it or go for the fruity flavors. But mm-hmm. when it's real flavors, when it's like, I love that idea that jasmine and mm-hmm. honey do. Those are real flavors. These are real fruit. It's real fruit going mm-hmm. in there. It's not artificial not melon enough. flavor. Right. Absolutely. It's dried pieces of real fruit. Honeydew. Yep. Absolutely. And it, it does provide real, it's a much realer beverage. And mm-hmm. I think that's for better or worse, it, it's, it's real. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's worth a lot to Absolutely. somebody who cares about doing things mm-hmm. the right way. Which Absolutely. If and nothing, that's and that's why I chose her because she is or, uh, a fully organic facility as well. So awesome! I think that I thought that was pretty. That's cool. very cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's a good place to stop. And I, and I think that's a good way to end it too. The, what I noticed most about going to your place was that attention to detail, and that care about everything being done with real ingredients and done the best way you can in where you're at. Absolutely. And I have. A lot of respect for somebody who takes that time and effort to do it, especially as a, like I said, a one-woman army in the mm-hmm. kitchen. That's a, uh, it's a tough thing to do, and somebody's doing it right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So 
definitely go out and check out Mad Hatter Tea Room in Webster. And what are the uh, days and hours again? Sure. Um, we're located 30 North Avenue in the village of Webster. And our hours, we are closed on Monday. And then it's Tuesday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then we do a brunch a la carte on Saturday and Sunday, which is 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Awesome. Well, I really thank you for coming over, Christina. This thank was you. A, My pleasure, Chris. This was Thanks. a blast. And um, please tune in next week for the next episode of the Food About Town podcast.